Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello and welcome to the Pro Wrestling Index. I'm your host, Guy Drinkle. Uh, I think what's going to happen from now on is that me and Andy are going to kind of rotate on hosting duties whilst he's having, um, whilst he's sorting out his shifts and stuff like that. So we may be on a bit of a rotation, but for big shows, obviously WrestleMania coming up, I think we'll we'll try and keep it to the to the original Dream Team. We may even go three man on on the WrestleMania and stuff like that. But unfortunately, it's me, it's me, Guy Drinkle, and joining me tonight is Mo Chatra. How are you doing, Mo? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing well. Um, all the better for speaking to you, Mr. Drinkle. Thank you, thank you. Um, so well, I've got to say that because I, for, for those that are not aware, we, we, Guy and I are part of uh, WhatsApp groups to discuss oh, Liverpool at you know, I spend the week in between these pods uh, winding them up about uh, the possible departure of Alberta Moreno. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, I need to be nice to Guy. He does, he does. And the, the less said about our WhatsApp groups, especially today, which I imagine some of the writers <laughs> will will know about, the better. But that's that's a inside story that we can't really share on here. But we'll we'll crack on with the wrestling stuff. Um, <clears throat> before we go on to the fast lane review, just probably the a big piece of news that's came out. I think it's Dave Meltzer. He normally releases all things WWE and stuff like that. Um, the fabulous Moolah uh, Memorial Battle Royale, obviously the women, the women's version of, of Andrew the Giant. Um, it got such a backlash from fans because obviously fabulous Moolah's uh, historic, um, poor God, Actions back in back in women's wrestling so many years. I'll, I'll allow you go into it a bit more, more. But they've they looks like they're going to change the name for that cost of this backlash. So more, do you want to tell us about just why people have such a backlash against Moolah herself and your thoughts on the decision? Yeah. So um, obviously this past week um, on Raw, WWE announced that. Um, in addition to the Ornery the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, it would be an equivalent battle royal for the women, which is basically a match to get all uh, female members of the roster who aren't tied up in other matches uh, to still appear on uh, the WrestleMania card. 
Um, and they mentioned that um, it would be named after the fabulous Mula, who's obviously um, a former long-time WWF, WWF Women's Champion and a Hall of Famer. Um, but this prompted a backlash with many fans, many, many fans, in fact, um, coming out in criticism of the WWE, citing the fact that um, you know, Mula was... Um, alleged to have been involved in um, people trafficking, um, abuse, uh, emotional and otherwise, of um, women who wanted to make it in the wrestling business back in the 50s, 60s, right through till the 80s. Um, and, um, you know, it's a, a lot of this stuff, if you research it, is, is fairly well documented. A lot of wrestlers from... Um, you know, that era from the 50s through to the 80s um, have spoken out in heavy criticism of Mueller. Um, so there, there has been this backlash growing um, all throughout the week, and the WWE decided today that uh, it's perhaps best to drop um, Mueller uh, and her name being linked to this battle royal. So they just announced it as the WrestleMania Women's Battle Royal. Um, I was hoping they'd name it after Sweet Sapphire, but um, not to be, well, not just yet. But, uh, yeah, it, it's probably the wise thing to do. Um, WWE is very image conscious and they don't like to be um, involved in any real forms of controversy. And, uh, you know, they clearly acknowledge that uh, the decision to name the Battle Royal after Moolah was an unpopular one. So they've um, very quickly... Um, taken a U-turn and uh, removed her name from being associated to the match. So I, I'm completely fine with that. And, uh, you know, WWE will move on. And the um, whole episode, I imagine, will be forgotten about largely uh, by the time next week rolls around. Yeah, almost forgotten as quickly as uh, Ronda Rousey's promise of being on every show, of every Raw show up until Mania. <laughs> uh, <laughs> don't worry, you get free Snickers, though. Um but yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I didn't really know the history of it before this all came out. I mean, I heard little bits about it, but obviously this kind of exploded the issue onto the scene. And reading the stuff that has or that came to my attention, um, it, it 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 just seems like a stupid idea to give her um, this memorial battle royal in the first place. I mean, people seem to think that she held back women's wrestling that much that it's why it's stagnated for so for so bloody long and uh, and if that if that is one of the main reasons it's um it, it's only fair that this backlash has happened. But yeah, um we'll we'll move on from that because it, it it's pretty quick news. So we'll 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 go on to the um the fast lane review, which will probably be <laughs> even more boring. Um We'll start with the first match, um, Shinsuke Nakamura versus the the beloved Rusev. Um, we'll try and thicken this part. I'll probably talk a bit more, a bit more about Rusev, but just your thoughts on the match, really, more. Well, actually, um, I went into it not expecting a great deal. I was worried, in fact, um, on the preview pod with Andy last week that, um, obviously, because of the kind of uh, cult popularity that Rusev's enjoying at the moment, that um, it might then prompt a negative reaction towards Nakamura, which is the last thing they need when he's lining up for a big match at WrestleMania against AJ Styles. Um, but that didn't prove to be the case. Um, whilst Rusev obviously um, got a very good reaction, 
Um, there was certainly not an adverse reaction towards Nakamura. So really both both um, got a good reaction, which was good to see. And in fact, I thought that the match was really good. Um, I thought, uh, you know, they worked very well. Um, it built well, um, had a very good closing stretch. Last couple of minutes were uh, very good. And, uh, you know, in the end, the right man went over. Nakamura needed a good, strong victory heading into WrestleMania. And that's exactly what he got. And I thought that the way the match was booked, and laid out, um, it didn't really harm Rusev um, to any great extent either. Um, so I, I thought that he was protected quite well. And I'm hoping that um, post-WrestleMania, um, they actually start to do something a bit more meaningful with him. Um, but um, he's lumbered to an extent with a comedy gimmick. Um, so they might have to slightly tweak on that, which would be a shame because his double out with Aiden English is, is just fantastic. But um, yeah, I, I was pretty pleased with this as an opener. Yeah, I mean, I fully agree. I thought the match was it, it was surprisingly good. I mean, I've, I don't think Rusev's ever really exploded in terms of being in the ring, being in great matches. I mean, we've seen poor feuds with John Cena and stuff like that, but he hasn't really had the opportunity to work with that many people who are as good as Shinsuke Nakamura. But I thought this match really gelled quickly. I'm not sure how how long the match was, but I imagine it was only like between 10 and 15 minutes but it it really what it really was a good match but um in terms of Rusev in terms of Rusev you obviously said um after WrestleMania and stuff like that but is there a risk that he goes a bit cold i mean it, it, it seemingly lasted probably it seems like a couple of months now but you say he might, might have to change a bit from the comedy thing but i mean you look at the mid card which will obviously talk about the match and stuff like that you mean you've got we've got Jinder Mahal probably going to be in a WrestleMania match <laughs> so if Rusev can't get on the main the WrestleMania card now when he's up this over is it is it a bit disappointing for you um i mean i've, I've no doubt that he will be on the card um it's likely that he'll probably end up um in the battle royal yeah um but, uh, and, and, you know, if, if he goes on and wins it, then, you know, that'll get a fantastic reaction because, you know, go back to the Rumble, um, the reaction he got was just incredible. And, um, you know, it'll be largely the same types of fans. In fact, a lot of the same fans that were at the Rumble will also be there at uh, WrestleMania and, uh, they'll be very vocally behind him. Um, so it'd be nice to see him win that, um, match and then perhaps use that to, um, propel himself into something a bit more meaningful, but um, just based on history and how WWE operates, um, comedy acts, which is sort of what he kind of is at this moment in time, um, don't tend to get big um, title uh, feuds or certainly title runs. Um, it's quite rare for that to happen. So, um, you know, Rusev as a babyface, cool, great, uh, but... They might just need to, or they might just want to tone down the comedy stuff mm. uh, a little bit um, if they want to push him into uh, perhaps a WWE um, title program or uh, at least a match. But uh, and, and even if they don't, you know, the US title, um, you know, wherever that ends up, um, you know, he, he might be a good uh, contender for it um, in the weeks and months after WrestleMania. Yeah, yeah, I fully agree. I think we've talked about uh, we've talked about Rusev's potential um, for quite a few times this, on the show. I mean, I think it was 
I think it was the draft last year, or it might have been even the first draft, when he, I think he came back from an injury, and I think we were talking about how he looked like fitter than ever, and he was going to be a, a main event, a, a possible main event heel. But we'll, we'll we'll move on from Rusev, and we'll talk about um, the US title match, which kind of linked in with him a bit. Um, Randy Orton versus Bobby Roode. A uh, bit bland match, really. Um, I, I wasn't overly infused by it, but... Randy Orton winning, do you, do you think that's the right call, firstly? Um, well, I was surprised. Um, I didn't expect that. Um, you know, I thought Rude would probably retain. I think that's what I predicted last week. Or, or did I? In fact, I can't remember what I predicted. <laughs> uh, uh, but, um, you know, it, it's um, it's... Not something that really does a great deal for the title. Um, I didn't think the title with Rude was particularly going places compared to, say, the Intercontinental title with Miz. Mm. Uh, I, I certainly think the title's been uh, elevated to an extent with his title run. Um, you know, he, he really tries to get the belt over is something that's important. Um, and that's something I feel that Rude hasn't really quite been able to achieve. Um, and I don't think the booking of him, um, certainly since he stepped up from NXT has been as effective as it should have been. Um, but was it the wrong thing to do? Not necessarily. Um, you know, it looks like they're leading towards, um, that kind of three way match between Orton, Rude and Jinder Mahal at WrestleMania and, you know, I, I'd be fine with him putting the title perhaps on Jinder and then maybe Orton moves to Raw, as is speculated, and uh, then it's perhaps Jinder versus um, Rusev uh, for the title after WrestleMania. But, uh, yeah, you, you I'm must not... be the only person who wants Mahal to win something. <laughs> <laughs> Other than Vince. <laughs> uh... Yeah, and, and that, that's just as a transition champion to get the belt onto somebody more deserving of it, but uh, yeah, it, it's it's something that I'm not really majorly um, aggrieved about the fact that uh, you know it switched hands um, at, at the show, and you know the the match itself though I've got to say um, again was a surprise. Uh, you know the first ten minutes I thought dear oh dear this is just going to be absolutely horrible, but certainly the last five minutes and it went nearly twenty minutes by the way, uh, the last five minutes in particular. I thought the match picked up superbly well and uh, was, in my view, almost as good as the opener um, in the end. Um, sure, very slow start, but you know, um, you know, the, the last few minutes uh, were really quite good. I felt so. Um, you know, Orton showed that you know he is capable of working entertaining matches. It's just that as an act, as a performer, he feels so tired, so. Mm. Um, kind of overdone, oversaturated in terms of whatever he's done over the last 15, 16 years that it's just not an enjoyable part of the show anymore. It's just somebody who's just there to make up the numbers. And uh, for somebody who's held versions of the world championship on what is it? 14 or 15 occasions. Yeah. Um, that, that, that That's a shame. Well, well, he is, he is a Grand Slam champion. I think that's all the word. He is a Grand Slam champion. I mean, he's held literally everything. So, just on Randy Orton, I mean, it doesn't look like he's going to retire anytime soon. But 
where where does he rank in terms of legendary status? I mean, do you, he probably will be a first ballot Hall of Famer, but is he up there with Cena, for example? Or do you think he, he kind of fell away that much in these last few years, whether that's via uh, motivation or just bad booking or what? But wh- where do you judge him in terms of legendary status? Well, I mean, for somebody that's um, been a top star for well over a decade and having had as many world title runs as he's had, I really don't, when I look at him, think, oh, legend. Um, Mm. I mean, he's somebody who's had um, some great matches. He's somebody who's been involved in some memorable storylines, memorable angles, and has been a big star in the biggest wrestling company for, as I say, over a decade. So you would think that, yeah, he, he's a no-brainer, you know, when it comes to the term legend. But I just don't feel like that with him. And may, maybe it's a case of perhaps him having to retire or perhaps refine his character and move in a different direction for me to feel that he deserves that title of legend. But for me despite all his accomplishments, he's still not deserving of that. And uh, I think that's because certainly for the last six, seven years, um, it really feels like he's just gone through the motions. And, uh, you know, I mean, he's had countless feuds with John Cena and others, but yeah, it, it just feels like the Randy Orton that really was such an enjoyable character some eight, nine, ten years ago, um, you know, is, is somebody that we haven't seen for a long, long time, and you know he doesn't really seem to have been all that asked about. You know, perhaps changing his character to try and remain relevant in the way that somebody like Chris Jericho has tried. You know, who's yeah. reinvented himself successfully on multiple occasions, and you know, despite the fact, um, you know, he's eight, nine years older than Randy Orton. Um, feels more relevant, more fresh, mm. uh, and more certainly deserving of that legendary title than Orton does. Yeah, well, it's it's weird because I, I kind of agree. I mean, I, I imagine he will be a first ballot Hall of Famer, as I said, but it's just he's just been so bland for so long, really. I mean, I'm thinking about it whilst you're speaking. Now. I mean, I think I think Nathan asked it in the WhatsApp group. Uh, what was his last great match? And I think I said probably the main event of with Daniel Bryan and Batista. Um, but before that, I mean, was his last good feud with Christian or something like that? Probably back in 2011. It it, it just seems like he's not been that he's been so irrelevant for so long. It, it genuinely does feel like that. So yeah, he's such a weird character. I mean, being this weird face character doesn't really help. And I've, even just looking at his Twitter, he's obviously he obviously is a natural bit of a dick <laughs> so he, he definitely needs to change heel and I, I hope after Wrestlemania he does go to Raw because I think he'd probably suit going back there as well um, but we'll, we'll move on from um, Randy and well, well we'll go back to the triple threat match with Jinder uh, which seems to be happening at Wrestlemania I mean we said Jinder may win it just as a just as kind of a transitional champion but any chance you think Rude can go back to being his NXT Rude and then Winning the title? Well, that's also possible as well. Um, 
but you know they might decide well let, let's just keep the title on randy because he's a big star and we don't really know what else to do with him mm. so could, could let's the, just um, keep the title on. could the swap us and ic title i think that probably may work if they want to put randy on the uh, raw um yeah i mean that that's possible as well um they might just decide to move the titles um across brands and uh Maybe that allows them to bring, um, you know, different kind of um, opponents for each champion, um, and opens up some different possibilities. But um, you know, certainly when when it comes to the pecking order, the intercontinental, intercontinental title at this moment feels the more uh, relevant, more prestigious belt than the US title. Um, US title really is something that's lacked momentum for quite some time now. Yeah. I'm I'm trying to figure up the show, so we're gonna stick with the US title and, and the mid card titles. Um what do you think is the problem? Because I mean mid card the only people I can really think of that have held the titles and actually done well with them are the Miz and John Cena. So what do you think is the problem with the mid card at the minute? Because nobody seems to be able to hold the title and make it actually relevant or good other than them two. Yeah, I mean, I thought the um, Kevin Owens title run wasn't that bad either. Mm. Um, the US title. Um, the, the, these are secondary belts, and they always have been. And they were secondary to the World Championships. Obviously, the US title started out in WCW and was the equivalent of the Intercontinental title um, in that company. And the idea behind those titles is that they should be the belts that are used for those talents that are up and coming who could one day become world champions but are not quite ready yet. So it's about helping them with building their momentum, building their um, kind of confidence as well and to see how they'll get on, how they'll fare as a champion. And, you know, too often that belt has been... Um, played with uh, in the hot potato sense and you know it's not used for its intended purpose that's exactly what it was uh, implemented um, intercontinental title in 79 and US championship even before that um, it was a stepping stone um, whereby the future world champions would win that belt first and um, would then go on to win the biggest prize and that hasn't really happened. Um, it's more used for um, talents who perhaps have been in the world title reckoning, who then have to be moved down to allow others to compete, you know, with the world champions. And then um, it gives them something to do. So that's why somebody like a Chris Jericho won it on multiple, I think nine times Intercontinental Champion or something silly like that. And uh, that, that was largely most of those range after he had been an undisputed champion in the WWE. Um, and, and it's been a similar story for a lot of others um, where the belt should be there to help with somebody on the climb, on the rise, and to help with building their momentum. And yet it's just there largely over the last 10, 15 years as a title that just keeps um, certain stars uh, even keel, um, but not necessarily 
to help them become bigger stars than they already are. And I think that that's part of the problem. Uh, I mean, you, uh, well, I know it's slightly before your time, Guy, but um, one of the classic examples of how that belt can work in that way is um, SummerSlam 1991. Now, the Intercontinental Championship was defended on that show, which took place in Madison Square Garden um, by Mr. Perfect, and he defended it against um, a tag team wrestler that had just not not um, long been um, moved up from the tag team division into the singles ranks, and that was Brett the Hitman Hart. And they had a fantastic match um, by the standards of that time, and um, that helped to elevate Brett as somebody that was seen as a potential future world champion. And indeed, just over a year later, he became a world champion. Uh, and that's what the purpose of that belt is. And you know that that has been lost along the way, and that that would partly explain why um, the belt belts have been devalued. And uh, you know, uh, and that's part of the reason why the Intercontinental Championship has had a bit of a renaissance because the Miz has had that feel of somebody that had been you know at the top of the mountain and fallen down and was on the rise again, and the belt was helping him with that rise to help build that momentum towards potentially um, becoming a contender for the Universal Championship maybe later this year. Um, so, you know, the belt and the, the person that held, has and still does help hold the belt, um, you know, bounced off each other and they worked hand-in-hand hand, um, to elevate one another. Um, but... More often than not, that hasn't worked in that way. And uh, it, it's largely just been a prop, whether it's the Intercontinental title or the US Championship. Yeah, very interesting stuff. I mean, yeah, it, it, it's been... It's just kind of been a placeholder for anyone and everyone, really, at the, at the minute. I think I think Miz is probably the best example. I mean, I don't think he's ever going to reach main event in WrestleMania levels again, but... For someone to be able to hold the mid-card title and only be on a par with John Cena in terms of relevancy in that regard, it must it must speak something. I mean, I don't think we're ever going to expect him to beat Brock Lesnar, but he's certainly one of the best heels in the company, so I could, I could really see him probably this year or next year being um, a heel champion or even just a challenger, but he, he's definitely stepped up his game. But yeah, it, it needs to... It needs to help make stars ready for the main event and it's just not really done that i can't really think of the last one who's transitioned but um we'll we'll move on to match of the night um natalia and carmella versus becky lynch and naomi um i can't remember this match more uh any thoughts <laughs> um not really no it was just um you know about as forgettable of matches you'll ever see. Um, I think, I think, uh, Carmella got the winning pin. She did. She did. Oh, why me? So my memory's not completely gone there. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, um, other than that, it, it was just a match. Um, you know, there was really nothing of note that occurred. Um, you know, just, uh, 
Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. A match that uh, you know, these girls plodded through and it was just there to basically uh, fill up time on the card, um, but also to just give them something to do because none of them have got anything meaningful going on. Um, and, and that's part of the problem with the women's roster on SmackDown. Um, and it's for that reason that um, Asuka is the new contender for Charlotte's uh, SmackDown belt because there was nobody suitable at all um, on the SmackDown roster to uh, compete for the belt at WrestleMania. And uh, so it's no surprise. But, uh, yeah, it, it was just a forgettable match um, all round and uh, one that um, I'm not going to really waste listeners time talking much longer about. So listeners do go check out that five star match if you can't remember. Um, But we'll, we'll move on to one of the, probably one of the better uh, parts of the show for me anyway. I mean, I think you and Andy have talked about them being um, your secret little favorites on SmackDown when it comes to the bludgeon brothers. Uh, talk about Usos and New Day which obviously got interrupted but before um, Bludgeon Brothers interrupted I mean were you thinking we're going to get another classic tag team match because it, it certainly started very fast paced yeah it did um, and um, it didn't really have a chance to um, build into the kind of match or threaten to be the kind of level of match that um, these two teams had uh, last year when, you know, they fought some fantastic matches together. Um, you know, they just fought that. Uh, they worked up to that spot where uh, we saw some dives um, out of the ring by the Usos and um, the um, all, all four, well, all five guys, in fact, were laid out um, at the top of the aisle and um, that signaled the... Uh, Entrance to the Bludgeon Brothers, who then turned up and destroyed everyone's sight. And, um, 
yeah, even by WWE standards, it was it was quite a strong, uh, violent beatdown. Um, especially poor uh, Xavier Woods, who was powerbombed on the steel steps, and uh, his head came very, very close to um, catching the corner of the, or the edge of the steps um, in a very, very nasty way. Um, so he escaped serious injury, in fact, um, by an inch or less. Um, so, so that was somewhat uncomfortable to see. Um, but it was good and effective in getting over the Bludgeon Brothers as um, real threats to the um, two teams and as viable contenders for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. Um, so, job done in that respect. Uh, but, yeah, it was a shame that we didn't get to see um, the match play out. You know, perhaps that kind of angle could have been run after the match had concluded. Um, and, you know, it was a shame that they felt that the storyline um, should take precedence over the match and match quality. Um, because if that wasn't the case, we would have seen another really good match. But uh, we didn't. And um, as a result, the Usos retained. And uh, it looks like they'll be facing the Bludgeon Brothers um, at WrestleMania. Yeah, I mean, it certainly looks like. I mean, we've seen the Usos versus what was the uh, the Wyatt family back in the day when Usos were Roman Reigns Jr. Um, back in the colourful days, and I think we've seen we've seen them have great matches before. So I, I think it's definitely definitely WrestleMania worthy. But do you think we'll see possibly see a triple threat match? Because obviously the the uh, it kind of continued on SmackDown where it was Big E, and I can't remember which brother it was. Um, trying to get revenge and it just didn't end up working out so do you think we'll maybe see New Day versus Bludgeon Brothers versus Usos at Wrestlemania um, that's a possibility as well um, but you know, I prefer the WWE to kind of um, limit the amount of triple threats or four way type matches because um, then it just feels like overkill and just trying to get yeah. everyone possible onto the show and uh, I think sometimes matches are uh, but a bit more meaningful if um, it's between two individuals or two teams run having you know three or four uh, different participants or sets of participants involved so yeah I, I would hope that it's going to be just um, one team against another but um, there's always a possibility that they decide to uh, put the three of them against one another and if they do I won't have any major problems with that um, I think that they can still work a really good match. Uh, Usos are great. Um, New Day on their day are also great. And um, the Bludgeon Brothers have um, one of the two individuals who's really good, and that's Luke Harper. And, you know, he... Don't lie, you love Eric Royd. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I guess he's... he's uh, Okay, if you compare him to um, don't Carmella, say, but, uh, don't say Kane. I was gonna say, <laughs> <I'll>... <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I kind of agree. I mean, we, we've seen WrestleManias where you you get massive tag team, uh, massive ladder matches and stuff just to kind of get people on the card, and it it seems a bit watered down. But I think I could see this being a triple threat match and working quite well because 
well, you you see the issues on the uh, Raw tag team division, which we'll talk about in a bit. But uh, I think SmackDown's a bit better, considering the three main teams have got in it. Um, but we'll move on to probably the highlight of the night, um, the women's title match. Um, Ruby Riot versus... Ruby Riot. Um, get me Wallace and Gromit voice off. Um, Ruby Riot versus Charlotte. Um, just, just, how good was this match, Mo? <laughs> okay, um, I have to admit I wasn't really a fan of it at all. Um, really? Oh no, no, no. Um, so we'll have to disagree then. Ooh. I, I thought um, there was just a bit too much in the way of sloppiness. Um, there were a number of spots, and it wasn't just one or two where um, they just didn't click. Um, you know, there was one particular spot where, um, you know. The, the move just completely broke down and it looked so awful. Um, I think it was where Ruby Wright went into the turnbuckle, middle turnbuckle. Uh, um, and, you know, there, there was various parts of the match where, you know, it, they, they just weren't on the same page. And I think it was perhaps Ruby Wright perhaps being a bit nervous um, because normally she's a pretty smooth, um, reliable worker. Um I don't think she's a particularly great worker. She's not, for me, at the level of Sasha or Charlotte on her best days. Um, she's not that level of worker, but uh, she's still, you know, perfectly fine. And the two should have um, had, uh, in my view, a, a pretty good match. But for me, it wasn't quite there. It was let down by the fact that they just had a few too many botch spots and. Um, you know that that's what spoiled it for me, but I think that the idea behind the match um, was good, and if the execution was better, it would have been as good as I was hoping for and was expecting. Uh, but that that's the reason why I wasn't overly impressed with it. No, that's interesting. I mean, maybe maybe I just wasn't giving it my full attention. I didn't notice the botches, but I, I thought it was fairly decent. Um, I thought Ruby Riot looked well. Maybe I was comparing her to the <laughs> to the rest of the the Riot squad, which makes her look like Shawn Michaels um, compared <laughs> to the other two. Um, but yeah, just, just touching on Ruby Riot because we know Charlotte's pretty damn fantastic. I mean, do you think she has a certain level of potential? I mean, we've seen Alexa Bliss come in, who was pretty green on NXT and and didn't seem ready, but we've seen her development in like. 18 months where she's gone from basically being very bland and boring and not ready to being probably the second best woman on TV at the minute. Um, So do you think Ruby Riot has that level of potential as Alexa Bliss or do you think she may be one of these ones who just kind of the odd challenger on probably the B show? Um, Perhaps the latter. Um, I don't think that she's got the charisma or presence of Alexa. I think Alexa, Alexa's got um, charisma dripping out of every pore. She's got some real gravitas presence to her, um, which is um, fantastic considering just how diminutive she is. Um, you know, she, she, she isn't somebody that longer term I see is having the kind of success that Alexa's having or, Certainly, the kind of success that um, Sasha, Charlotte, to a lesser extent, Bailey have had. Um, she, for me, isn't that level. I think she'll settle in as a 
a mid-card level at. Um, but, you know, on top of that, you know, she's not somebody that's really gotten over. Um, the reactions to her most weeks are very different. Um, you know, there are certain elements of um, her overall package that still come across as a bit too indie. And, um, you know, she needs to work on that as well. Um, I thought she was called up perhaps a little bit too early. Um, yeah. You know, you think back to somebody like Asuka, how long she was over on NXT, and yet with Ruby, um, she spent far less time. And, and we know the reasons why. is because they wanted to have a 30-woman Royal Rumble match, and they needed to bring lots of women into the main rosters on Raw and SmackDown, because up until a couple of months before the Royal Rumble women's uh, match, I think there was only about 12 or 13 women on both Raw and SmackDown. And when they, given they needed 30 women, um, you know, they, they just needed to bring a lot of women up very quickly. So that's why, um, you know, she was brought in, um, before she was ready. And, you know, she, she's certainly the more ready of the three from that group. Yeah. Um, I was going to, I was going to build on them because, um, Logan and, um, Oh god, what's her name? Carmella Jr. I can't remember her name. Um, Mandy Rose. No, that's the that's the absolution one. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we'll get oh, there. Uh, well, they look alike. Yes, yes. I'm gonna I'm just I'm gonna stick with Carmella Jr. Um, <laughs> them them two, they they just really add nothing to the show at the minute. So I think them two have been really rushed. Um, from NXT, I mean that's that Sarah Logan. I mean she's she's probably going to be scarred for life by the last promo I remember her talking, which was about hunting and skinning animals or some crap like that. So I think I think them two, them two, they're going to suffer long term. But I think Ruby Riot definitely showed she has enough talent to have a place on either Raw or SmackDown. She she definitely has a place on the main card. Whereas if you compare her to the other two members of the Riot squad, um. Yeah, they're 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 just not anything at the minute, really. So yeah, I think at least Riot showed that she has a enough talent and a enough ability to be a part of the main roster, unlike the other two, which is just so bad. Yeah, yeah. Just as a quick aside on Mandy Rose, in fact, um, I just saw a tweet from her um, this past week where she mentioned how her mum wanted some work doing in her house some repairs or decoration or something. And she said that she's actually going to buy her mum a new house. And I thought, isn't that wonderful? Um, <laughs> you know, we, we um, you know, uh, often see these talents come in, but we don't really know about their backstories and, you know, stuff like that. You know, if WWE just, you know, did something on TV to highlight the fact that Mandy Rose is, doing something for her mum in this kind of way. Um, that'd probably be more effective in getting her over than all the kind of silly absolution, um, yeah. kind of meaningless matches or other interviews that really don't do anything to get her over or uh, Sonia Deville, um, you know, and uh, some, of that, some of that kind of stuff we've seen on NXT, in fact, and that, that's worked quite well. No, was it? I think could've... it was Roddy Strong, wasn't it? Who had uh... that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, you know the kind of stuff that 
shows you what their real life personalities are like and um what their kind of backstory is and you know real life stuff you know can help as well and uh it'd be nice to see that on the main roster shows and uh if they did do that then uh, something like mandy rose would perhaps uh get people's attention a little bit more than she has thus far yeah, yeah, I definitely agree, man. I haven't seen that tweet, but just just on Absolution quickly, who are obviously the raw version of Riot Squad, but a lot better. Um, I think that it's really unfortunate that Paige got her injury. Um, that that probably kind of killed that group. Um, which is obviously no fault with any of the any of the ladies in the in the group. Um, but it it just kind of seems weird with Paige kind of being just a manager role, but she doesn't actually do much of the talking. Um. It just, it just kind of seemed to be an empty role for all three of them at the minute, so it's a bit unfortunate. But yeah, I mean, I think it's been deemed the reality era of wrestling, so I think adding stuff or realistic stuff can really help, and I think that's how you make natural heels and faces, isn't it? Where Mandy Rose is probably being portrayed as a as a heel right now, but if if she is re- if she is that sound that she's buying a mama new house because whatever her background is, is it it. it it should be natural first territory, shouldn't it, really? Um, mm. But yeah, uh, we'll, we'll move away from the women's division. I mean, we'll, we'll come back to it on the uh, on the TV part, but the uh, WWE title match. A few key points in this. I mean, it wasn't a, it was never going to be a wrestling masterclass. I mean, you can never really have that on a on a six pack challenge. And I think this this match had probably like two or three people too many in the match. Um, but it was fun. It was fun for me. So, more your thoughts on the match, and then we'll, we'll break down some of the key issues that obviously kind of developed on SmackDown as well. I thought it was a great match. I really thought it was very strong. Um, yeah, I mean, you're quite right. It's not the kind of match with six people involved simultaneously that can build in a kind of conventional pro wrestling type of match. Um, so, it then inevitably ended up as kind of a a giant spot fest um, where you know it was quite a high tempo match almost throughout um, and they were working through big spot after big spot after big spot and you know that was something I was personally fine with um, you know I, I thought uh, they worked it very well and uh, you know they had some good twists and turns as well along the way and uh, then you know, just as it looked like um, AJ Styles would be losing his title, albeit indirectly, not even being pinned for the belt. Um, he then lays out, I think it was Kevin Owens, uh, right mm-hmm. towards the end with the uh, forearm, the flying forearm, uh, phenomenal forearm, is it even, and um, retain the title. So that, that was um, the right thing, you know, if they had AJ drop the belt and, I don't know, uh, Baron Corbin win it, that just would have made no sense whatsoever. Even John Cena winning it. um, I would have turned it off if anyone uh, else won it, to be honest. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, we want to see AJ and Nakamura. That's a legendary match from New Japan Pro Wrestling, obviously, and uh, that's a match that um, has kind of been teased and built towards almost since Nakamura arrived on SmackDown. So, um, you know, we were going to get that match and that was confirmed by the outcome from this match. Um, but yeah, as you say, um, there were some other, um, 
angles that kind of developed as part of this match, including um, Shane um, costing both uh, Kevin Owens and um, Sami Zayn uh, pinfalls and uh, stopping the counts or um, pulling the refs out the ring, the ref out of the ring, and um, you know that that seems to be pointed towards some kind of match um, involving Shane possibly with one or even both of them at um, WrestleMania. And I know that Shane announced, um, sorry to kind of go off on a related. No, no, it's fine. I know he announced. Yeah, I know he announced Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn two nights later on SmackDown. Um, But then obviously both of them beat down Shane and then he was making all kinds of weird noises as a showing off the air, (laughs) uh, which were a bit disturbing. He was definitely uh, giving birth at some point. (laughs) Yeah, to a hand. Oh, God. Uh, Yeah. yeah, um, So it wouldn't surprise me if somehow this turns into a triple threat match, yet another one, um, with Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn and uh, Shane. And, you know, to make it even more fun, um, why not just turn it into a fatal four-way and bring Daniel Bryan out of retirement? Um, Because that that was something that's been obviously teased going back months and months. So... They'll probably make it a six-pack challenge. Bring in Corbin, bring in Ziggler. Oh, God. um, Yeah, I mean, this was also billed as um, John Cena's last chance to get onto WrestleMania, um, which was really stupid angle because nobody on earth believed that for a second Um, and um, you know he clearly will be working Wrestlemania so you know it it was just um, one of those silly distractions to the match that I thought was otherwise um, a really really good one and the match of the night for me yeah yeah I mean I agree Um, it was it, as as I said on the intro to it, it, it wasn't. It was never going to be a masterclass, but it, it was always going to be madness and fun, and that, that's exactly what it was. Um, but we'll, we'll go back to KO and Sammy. I mean, I was probably going to finish the show with this, but we might as well bring it up here. Um, Hell in a Cell. We all thought, I think everyone thought that this was going to lead to some absolutely beautiful tag team, some awesome TV. Um. And it's just been so shit. It, it's unbelievable. Um, and now we're going to get either KO over Sammy, which would at least be a good match to end this shit angle that's just been so poor over the last few months. Or we're going to get, I don't know, a triple threat match. Or we're going to get Shane to, I don't know, bring back Bobby Lashley <laughs> or something stupid like that to represent him. Um, it, it, it just, it just, so disappointing after that Hell in a Cell uh, moment. So, has this probably been one of the most disappointing parts of TV? I don't know, probably last year and coming into this year? Yeah, I'd say so. Um, you know, it, it, it again goes back to all the same complaints that we've had, um, you know, in the past, whereby we've got parity booking, we've got this inability to um, really get behind certain individuals and make the most of them. And also it's also a failure to really build upon uh, the brand extension as well. And I'm just kind of 
diluting it in in different ways and uh, all these things combined have really not helped and uh, as a result you know watching tv is a chore that's how it really feels and uh, no, that, that's not how it should feel um now we, we smacked down this week they did draw um the highest rating that they've um, achieved for a good year so they would have drawn some encouragement from that but you know they can't get away from the fact that certainly with smackdown going back six seven eight months um it has really been dreary viewing um most weeks there have been the odd shows which have been pretty decent but the show as a whole um hasn't been a good watch and traditionally that show has been a fun couple of hours and they have that benefit, the fact that three hours for a TV show is too long for wrestling, um, and with two hours, that's almost like the sweet spot, and they should be able to put out a good show week to week, well, certainly most weeks, that has a good mix of wrestling, storyline advancement, um, good interviews and promos, and they really, really struggle to manage that. And um, I think that they, in addition to looking at mixing up rosters perhaps need to look at mixing up um the writing teams that work on raw and smackdown yeah. because um clearly there's something that's going on that is working for raw and isn't for smackdown and you know even if it means the lead writer for raw is then given the responsibility for writing smackdown then maybe that's what they need to do because it's in desperate, desperate need of... They, they um, just need to sack the SmackDown writers, to be honest, because it's bloody awful. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I, I just... You know, when you've got some of the people on that roster like they have in Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn and co, and, you know, it, it's hard watching them because the storylines they're involved in is just so um, awful, then you know that something's really, really bad and in need of urgent repair. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm just, I'm just thinking about what happened on this this week's SmackDown. I'm, it, it's it's the awkward Japanese promos that are stuck in my head. I mean, why are they making Asuka and Nakamura do promos? <laughs> well, know, that's and, it. Andy touched on it last week, didn't he? It's it's bloody awful. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if they if they're not good at cutting promos or if they sound a bit daft um, to that kind of obviously American audience at the live shows, then just don't get them to go out there and cut promos. Or here's a novel idea. Maybe get somebody to talk for them. Um, I know that Vince thinks it's uh, uh, old school wrestling and to have people go out there, but it works for uh, Brock, you know, with uh, Paul Heyman as his mouthpiece. Um, He comes across uh, significantly better than if uh, Brock was out there cutting his own promos. Yeah. Because we know that that's not one of the things that he he, he does well in. Um, so by the same token, why can't they have um, advocates um, or whatever they want to call them, but you know, a manager essentially um, going out there talking for an Asuka or an Akamura? I mean, I, I, the other thing is also, um, you know, these individuals can get over um, and remain over without the need to go out there and cut promos every week. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not an essential thing yet WWE thinks that you know if we don't build up matches with promos then people won't care and I don't agree with that I think that 
you know you can put people out there who won't say a word and yet they can still um you know come across as big big stars and uh, that's one of the beauties of pro wrestling is that you know you can allow them to just do their talking in the ring bell to bell and um that is what makes them superstars but um wwe don't quite see it that way they think that cutting promos on a weekly basis is part and parcel of being a wwe superstar and um is it doing favors for Askarin nakamura not really i don't think they've suffered extensive damage to their characters or their uh, momentum as they go into big title matches at uh, wrestlemania but um you know there is that danger that they uh, certainly start coming across as these comedy acts whose poor promo um, skills are there to be mocked and laughed at, and you know, that that's not what they really should be aiming for because uh, no. that that just at, at its worst plays into um, stereotypes um, and even perhaps casual racism. So. Mm. Well, we saw it in that. We saw it in the gender feud, didn't it? It was basically taking the piss out of a Japanese person feud. It was like, what, what, what the fuck is this shit? Um, well, exactly, yeah. yeah. It's not even promo skills. It's just a language barrier. I mean, yeah. if you look, if you look at Nakamura, he like oozes charisma, and I have no idea what he's saying most of the time. <laughs> and I know <laughs> I like him. It's it, it's just mad. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, the, the SmackDown writing team. And, bookers or whatever the term is for the backstage people it just needs to they all need to be fired and all needs to it all needs to be changed um but we'll move on to the positive side of tv i mean we finished with fast lane there and just finish up with a couple pieces on raw um last week you obviously brought up the uh roman reigns steroid situation and the and braun maybe being added into that but it looks like we got our, got your answer there. Um, Mo Braun winning the tag team title number one contender battle royale. Um, just your thoughts on him versus the bar. I mean, there is rumours of um, him getting a partner. And, I mean, me and Alex and the wrestling group taught wanting it to be Elias. So just your thoughts on this? Yeah, so um, I think they've now clearly made a decision that uh, Roman will be the opponent for Brock. Um, and you know that that's fine, um, and uh, got no problem with that. And um, Reigns will almost certainly win uh, the championship. Uh, again, you know that that's not exactly a major spoiler, um, and I don't know that for a fact. I should hasten to add, but you know all, all the talk is that ninety percent sure he's going to win. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, all all the talk is Brock's heading to UFC. Um, so if that's the case, then um, it really wouldn't make much sense for him to retain the title unless he's staying around for another month and then he drops the title eventually um, at the following pay-per-view. Um, but, you know, clearly they've made a decision about um, Braun and he will be part of the Raw um, Tag Team Championship match with an opponent, possibly. Even though that's not confirmed, he might just decide to just go on his own and uh, go with the handicap match, which would be suicide where those titles are concerned. I mean, it would kill the credibility yeah. of those belts. And, you know, it would also um, be very damaging to Sheamus and Cesaro, who are, um, whilst not, you know, 
absolute headline main event acts, still two of the biggest stars in the company, and um, having them job to one individual um, would not be sensible. It really wouldn't. So, you know, they should put somebody with Braun. I'd be completely cool with it being Elias. And, um, you know, some of the stuff they could do together um, could potentially be comedy gold. It really could. Um, But uh, I guess we'll just have to wait uh, another week, a couple of weeks before we find out. And it might even be that the partner isn't revealed until WrestleMania itself. And um, if that's the case... I'd be surprised if it is Elias. They might decide to bring somebody new in, somebody returning to WWE. Um, but yeah, I, I'm fine with it because you know he needed something meaningful and certainly not to be stuck in um, the uh, battle royal again. So yeah, I'm fine with that, and uh, I, I think it will be a pretty decent match as well. Yeah, yeah, I think it'll be a good match. It's just a, it's just a shame for the talented tag teams on Raw, I suppose. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the Revival and probably the the uh, the club, probably more so than anyone. I mean, the the Revival since they've came up to the main roster, they've just been absolutely booked horrendously. Um, I think they really need a move to SmackDown and a, and a new beginning, but. As we just said, the SmackDown writing will be terrible, but yeah, the 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 revival need a revamp. But yeah, I think I think this match at WrestleMania will be fun. But I, I hope it'll be Elias because, as you said, it, it has potential to be comedy gold. And um, we we saw in their in their little feud that they definitely have chemistry between between each other. And um, Elias, after his um, development and his popularity since coming up from NXT, he definitely deserves a WrestleMania spot. Um, mm. But we'll move on to, we'll, we'll go through this quickly. Uh, we kind of touched on it earlier. Nia Jax versus Alexa. That kind of t- finally took its development. I, I wasn't sure if this was going to be a WrestleMania match, but you nailed that one as well, Mo. Um, <laughs> looks like it's going to be this program after, well, the company that doesn't like that uh, against anti-bullying doing a few doing a few bullying campaigns <laughs> at the minute in the show um, with Alexa's fat shaming. Um, backstage accidental promo kind of thing. Um, do you think we'll see Nia win? I know it's a bit early for a WrestleMania preview, but do you think that's what it's building towards? It seems to be, yeah. I think they really want to push um, Nia outside of the company as somebody that's um, potentially a role model for um, larger girls, females, um, and uh, somebody to get behind as somebody who's amongst a lot of other women who are um, of an athletic appearance, um, or certainly slimmer appearance, and uh, she's um, able to kind of hold her own and seen as just as um, relevant and also just as belonging um, on on the roster as any of those likes of Alexa and um, Charlotte and the likes of them. So I think it will be... A fun match. I don't think it would be one of the better matches. Um, you know, Alexa is, is, is a fine talent, um, but she's not, you know, one of the top, top female workers. Naya only really has really good matches with the very top workers. Um, so uh, on top of that, the, the card is shaping up to have a ludicrous amount of matches. I think we're up to about 14 or 15 matches now. Um, either announced or will be announced in the next week or so. 
Yeah. And, um, you know, I know that the card's booked for about a gazillion hours, but even then, um, you know, they're not going to be able to, uh, you know, turn this into a great match. And every match can't be a great match. I think it would be decent, but uh, I expect it will be one of the more forgettable ones. That said, though, I, I do expect there to be a total change. I think Naya will win. Um, but we can go into that in a bit more detail uh, yeah, when we yeah. preview the whole card um, for WrestleMania in a couple of weeks. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, just like just the last couple of things on Raw. Um, Roman got suspended by Vince. I mean, just a it was kind of a glance into the uh, the gorilla position and stuff like that, and, and Shane being on Raw for some reason. Um, it's um, quite interesting. I think they're trying to paint Roman as a anti-authority kind of person now. Obviously, with with his fake suspension and challenging Vince and stuff like that. I mean, do you think this is an interesting development? Um, yes, potentially. Um, interesting that they've decided to get Vince involved in the angle. Um, there has been speculation that uh, Roman might turn heel at WrestleMania, and uh, you know, maybe maybe they will use Vince as part of that angle to turn him heel at WrestleMania. Um, though that said, um, they are trying their hardest to try and portray Brock as a heel. Um, as somebody who can't really be asked with the WWE or the fans, doesn't really turn up to the shows. And you know, good old Roman is there is uh, the guy that cares about the fans, cares about the company, turns up to work week in, week out, day in, day out, um, which is um, kind of a repeat of the storyline they had some five, six, seven years ago between The Rock and John Cena. And, uh, you know, what wonders that did for uh, John Cena mm. <laughs> at that time. It didn't really work at all. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, no, WWE is just trying something, anything to try and reverse this kind of negativity around Roman. I don't think it'll work. I think he'll still get booed, even with the fans knowing that it potentially could be Brock's last night in the company and that he might have um, snubbed the WWE to join UFC. But um, interesting development nonetheless. And, uh, I guess we'll just have to see what it leads to um, over the next three or four weeks. Yeah, definitely interesting. I mean, probably the most interesting part of Raw was um, John Cena calling out Undertaker again. I mean, it was probably one of the better John Cena promos I've seen in a while. I mean, it felt less scripted, even though it may have been, but who knows? It it felt much more raw and much more real um, to me anyway. But I don't want you to preview this match, but just in short, how are you excited for this? I know we I know we wanted Undertaker to go out last year with the Roman Reigns ideal situation, but for me, it, it, when when it, when it gets called out that John Cena is calling out the Undertaker, I do I do get a little bit of shiver excitement. I can't help that. But what what are your basic thoughts on it? Yeah, well, I mean, not really keen on seeing the Undertaker return. Ideal time for him to, to retire to have retired would have been after the. Brock match, um, second I, most ideal would have been after his loss to Roman last year when he laid down his gloves um, in the middle of the ring and everyone thought he had retired. Um, and it just cheapens retirements when you know, big yeah. names, especially uh, names big as The Undertaker, 
goes out in that kind of symbolic way and uh, then just a year later returns. Um, but if they are going to work, or if he's going to work, then uh, who better than John Cena as an opponent? You know, it's a match that whilst it's taken place on other cards, other shows, um, hasn't obviously occurred at WrestleMania. So that in itself um, should make it uh, a real spectacle and uh, something that should get a really good reaction from the fans. But again, it just doesn't um, play into my agenda, which is I want WrestleMania to go back to being the event that um, is used to try and elevate younger talent and yeah. not to be so much of a nostalgia show. And increasingly, with, as years go past, that's that's what it is. Too many part-timers return for payday and... Uh, take up all the key spots on the card undertaker triple h um shane and uh, one or two others and uh you know those spots um should be the preserve of those that are um you know there for the company throughout the year and on top of that um you know these are the kind of moments in front of crowds that size to build somebody up over the best part of a year and have their major um, kind of angle match storyline come to an end at WrestleMania. Um, and that in itself should elevate them to that uh, required level, whether it's as a headline act, or whether it's just below that to then proceed to becoming a headliner in the year or two um, um, subsequent to that card. But uh that that's something that um, eventually will have to come because you know they can't keep weeding these people out every single year. You know? Yeah. And um, yeah, so it, it might be that this year, maybe another couple of years, and then it can go back to being um, you know, a card full of um, you know the, the biggest matches of the year involving talent that are around all the time. That would be nice. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but it needs to be more relevant. I mean, if you have all the talent, just use it to get over the the younger talent. I, mean, I don't want to, don't really want to see um, old talent versus old talent. It just doesn't really work. But um, I mean, we saw Triple H versus Seth Rollins. That kind that kind of worked um, quite well for a short period. But um, I think that'll be. Enough for the show. I mean, I don't want to ask you about the final deletion thing on Raw next week because you'll just shit all over it. <laughs> um, but um, this has been the P- this has been the PW Index. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at PW underscore Index. I've been your host, Guy Drinkle. I've been joined by Mo Chatra. Thanks for listening, everybody. Goodbye. When we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at fifty dollars, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/style for free shipping. 
and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.